the birthplace of the Bohemian Revolution from Cowork 591 Studios. This is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network with co-host Dale Reber and the and producer Blake Tempest. I'm Jim Gillespie, and this is the Jessup News for November 27th, 2023. <clears throat> Although it is post- Thanksgiving in your house. This it is a Wednesday before Thanksgiving here. So welcome. On uh, today's podcast, we talk about winners and losers. We talk about um, maybe the best kept secret in U.S. history: a man by the name of Bayard Rustin. We talk to local businessman Donnie Jacobson of Jacobson Fabrication and Repair LLC. We talk about Cowork 591 News, and we look at the events inside of the Steve Brown Arts Center. We give you the top stories in Jessup. We discuss service and art, and Dale has something for you. The Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build a Skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming includes a community speaker series that will showcase or showcases existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businessmen such as Donnie and artists from the community and the area around it. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of the arts and the humanities. Artists will be offered accommodation and studio space in exchange for a contribution of labor and maintenance of the buildings and grounds. Let's get going early, Mr. Reber. All right. All right, let's talk about winners and losers. Who do you have as a winner? I have Iowa as a winner. Uh, we are one of the top 10 states for computer science education, I saw in the papers of the day. And I thought, well, sometimes we slam our education system a lot, and sometimes we slam Iowa a lot. There's a lot of bad things that happening that we need to work on. But I thought that was a positive thing about Iowa that I could put out. And so they're one of the top 10 states for computer science education. And I think a good example is this young man sitting off to our left. He knows a lot about computer science. And uh, he's a Jessup High School grad, and he's an Iowa resident, and so he fits right in with this statement right here. So. That is that is a very good one. Thank you. My my winner is uh, Kirk Ferens, um, the Iowa head football coach. He won. Um, they won the ninth game of the season this past weekend, beating they they defeated Illinois. Illinois. Thank you, Illinois. Goodness. Um, they have Nebraska this weekend, and that's what I'm all all, all excited about. Uh, but but that was his ninth win, but he also won the Big Ten West. His defensive coordinator is a semifinalist for the best defensive coordinator in the country, and he was able to celebrate with his son um, for winning the the um, Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. So, Farron has always been a class act in my mind. Yeah, I um, agree. Who, uh, who is the loser for you, Dale? Well, it was Iowa. So, Iowa is number four. You'll never guess this. It's number four in the list of the top five worst states for porch pirates. 
Really? Porch really. pirates. Porch not- pirates, yeah. Top, they're, they're uh, number four in the, in the list. Yeah. And uh, I guess I would not have thought that because I pretty well, that most Iowans are honest people, so I was a little taken aback by that. I know that uh, <coughs> in the military, they're, 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 we were instructed about you keep your foot locker locked, you keep your wall locker locked, you keep your rifle locked. If you do not and someone steals from you, you're as much to blame because you uh, maybe turn someone who wouldn't steal into a thief just by making things available. I know that uh, there are a lot of, well, in my house, if you want to kick my door in, it wouldn't take much, even if it was locked. But if you just would turn the knob and it didn't open for you, you might just walk away rather than kick it in. And so locks help keep honest people honest was their mantra. And so uh, I know my neighbor gets lots of packages. And they sit out there, you know, by their door, and I sweat over them. I try to keep an eye, you know, because it just bothers me that they're just there, you know. They, as far as I know, they've never had one taken. And every now and then I will go over, if I can't stand anymore, and put it inside their door, because I know the doors, I'll put it inside the garage. So, I, I don't know, it just bothered me a little bit that, that I, I don't think of Iowans that way as, as, as being uh, people who would walk around and uh, steal things from people's houses just because they can. So. Well, you know, I... I Last, about two months ago, I found Christmas every week um, when I found Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started ordering things from Amazon. And I will come home with package on my doorstep, um, which never happened before. Mm-hmm. Rarely happened before. Probably never happened before. But, but it is, you know, Iowa is a rural state, Dale, and because it's rural, somebody pulls into a driveway, sees a package sitting outside on a porch, and unfortunately, they walk up and grab it. Yeah, but there are many people, and I can't remember the the news show, first edition, where people just follow the UPS guy. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, Why did they show the UPS guy, or one of them was going up to the porch, and the guy came up behind him and grabbed the package out of his hand and took off with it. Didn't even wait for him to leave it on the porch. And so uh, there's a lot of this. I mean, it's it's billions of dollars of worth of packages that are stolen every year. Wow. And, uh, so sec- it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, a major problem. Just a second. Guillermo, put it on the poll. Let's uh, <laughs> let, put it on the poll. Have you been affected yeah. by the a porch pirate? Yeah. Put that on. Yeah. Put that on the poll. I was talking, you mentioned Amazon. I was talking to a lady today who's, in, and she said that she was talking. She said most of the Amazon drivers that come, that she comes to her business, uh, don't speak English. They're from Guatemala or Mexico or whatever. But she was talking to a man the other day, and he said they have to go. And he was Hispanic, but he uh, spoke English. So she was talking with him. And Amazon, they have to go early in the day to wherever Amazon has her and bid for routes every day, get the bid by offering to do it cheaper than someone else. And that's how Amazon does business. And then they, they just run them ragged as much as they can. So she does. she's afraid Amazon is going to put everybody else out of business because people are, it's so easy to buy from Amazon rather than go to a store or something. And in the long run, we'll end up regretting so much of the business in, in the country. So... Uh, we're not real thrilled with Amazon. I'm, I'm thankful our area hasn't started with Uber. You know, Uber would be good, especially a rural area for older people. Mm-hmm. But, but 
I'm thankful Uber hasn't started with or our area hasn't started with Uber or that that uh, Uber food delivery service. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Um, you know, it 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 keeps it keeps uh, other businesses going. I think. Yeah. Have you ever seen these YouTube? Uh, I think his name is Mark Roper. My grandson has a whole bunch of, he was a NASA engineer. I know he has his own YouTube, he makes it, he, like he made a machine that would kick a football out of a stadium. You know, oh, really? foot and, and just crazy stuff like that. But he, somebody stole something from his porch. So he engineered a package, and it's got four cameras in it, and it's got skunk spray, something smells worse than skunk, and it's got confetti. And so when, so, and he put some of these packages out all over the country, and people took them, and when they took them, it automatically started the cameras going. When they opened that up, the spray went off and the confetti flew all over their car or their house or wherever they were. Uh. And this voice from uh, Home Alone started, you know, you dirty rat. That <laughs> and so just the funniest thing, but he was, he, he was trying to discourage porch pirates, you know. But, but uh, it was just a booby-trapped package. It looked so real. That and, was uh, something he did for... Started one year because of that reason, because he got a package stolen. And I think that was back, like, in 2017, and he did it every year up until, I think, last year. Yeah, okay. As, like, a yearly a yearly thing. Yeah. He'd send them out to different mm-hmm. people yeah. who applied in the hill. Yeah, so. Uh, he does fantastic things. I mean, and I think he's making, he's living out making these YouTube things, yeah. and he has sponsors, and people can, and he has uh, packages uh, kids can order. Uh, like stem packages where they have to things together and make them work and this sort of thing, engineer them and so. But just look like he has the most fun of anybody <laughs> doing this stuff. So I don't, uh, and we need to go on. But I don't know if Blake okay. remembers this, but uh, I, I used to tell my classes, especially toward the the end before I, I retired. This camera is everywhere now. Yeah, the, you know yeah. it is. I mean, people at their houses have oh, sure. cameras. Yeah. you know, just like you, you were talking about. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's hard to get away with that. Yeah, yeah, anymore. No, wait. I have a granddaughter, and she sleeps in a special bed. And this was a few years ago now, but we were staying with her overnight, and we put her in bed. And you zip her in. It's got a screen, like in this sort of thing. And during the night, my wife thought she heard Gracie, and so she went in there fluffed up her pillow or whatever and this sort of thing. And then so when the kids got home, the parents got home the next day, they said, well, was Gracie having a problem at 2 o'clock or something? And we said, well, how did you? And Deb said, well, she wouldn't. How did you know? Well, they had a little camera in her bed that they can watch on her phone from their room so they can see that she's okay. You know, when they wake up in the night, they can just check on Gracie. Right. Just by, well, we didn't have little cameras. <laughs> okay, what do we say while we're here? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and... People should know that there's cameras everywhere, but they still do the dumbest things, and they're caught on camera every time. And, and uh, yeah. uh, I know my mother would say, yeah, yeah, why aren't those people embarrassed? You know, she would just, <laughs> they should be embarrassed. Um, my, my loser is R.V. Hatterlin Elementary School in Jard, Kansas. Okay. They made a fourth-grade boy cut his hair. Um, it, it, uh, they don't make girls cut their hair there, but if you have, if your hair is beyond a certain length in Haddleton Elementary, they make you cut their hair. Well, this particular young man, um, fourth grade young man, 
was um, was a N- Native American in ancestry, and they had, they had proof of it. His parents had proof of it, and the school made him cut his uh, hair. I am surprised at that. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. And so, in my mind, they were the week's losers. Yeah. I was at uh, Crystal Wright's, uh, Alan and Joyce Wright's daughter. I was at her funeral yesterday, and her husband spoke, did a eulogy, which is not done too often, but he just, just did a wonderful job. But he was talking about, he met Crystal in college, and he said he had long college hair and a beard and this sort of thing, and was your typical college kid at that time. And the uh, first time he went to meet Alan and Joyce Wright, <laughs> she said, Alan took Crystal aside and said, where in the hell did you get this guy? <laughs> and ended up being married for 37 years, you know. So Jean told that story. And uh, that's an example of a, just a wonderful young, I guess she, she's 66 when she died, but uh, such a wonderful girl, came from Jessup, was a special ed teacher, and just uh, dearly loved helping uh, kids. And so uh, he's, he's a wonderful funeral, but several people spoke, and they all did just an excellent job. And I'm sure Chris would have been very happy the way it all turned out. So right. uh, my sympathy to to the Wright family. Craig, you know, is on city council, and her parents still live in Jessup too, and uh, and to Jean. So uh, no, thank you. That thank you for mentioning that, Dale. And and, and uh, my sympathy goes out to Alan and Joyce as well. Uh, it, it is it is uh, sometimes life's not very fair. Yeah. All right. Well. Dale, have you ever heard of Beard Rustin? No, I have not. Uh, there is a movie on Netflix right now called Rustin. It's his life story. Um, Rustin is sort of having a renaissance okay. of sorts. Rustin was, as a young man, he fought for many causes, including racial equality and workers' rights. Later in his life, he also advocated for gay rights. One of Rustin's most notable contributions to the African-American civil rights movement was his planning, and here's where he deserves incredible notoriety. He planned the 1963 march on Washington for jobs and freedom. Okay. um, Where 100,000 people Uh and Martin Luther King Jr. um, He was... The architect of that, of that um, rally. Okay. Um, and because of his sexual preference, he did not get the notoriety that guys like Andrew Young and Jesse Jackson. Oh, okay. They, they kind of kept that out. Of, yeah. Okay. They, yeah. Um, matter of fact, um, well, let me go on and tell you a yeah, little bit ahead. about him. Criticism and discrimination over his sexuality led Rustin to have a more have a more background role in the civil rights movement. He never wanted his sexuality to have a negative effect on the movement, which is often the reason that Rustin's efforts are not widely known. He was a, he was a very religious man, actually a very unique religious man. Baird was born 1912 in Pennsylvania and raised by Quaker grandparents. Quakers are a group of Christians who believe deeply in peace and justice and nonviolent methods to work for peace and equality for all people. Bayard gave credit to his faith for his lifelong work. And when you mention nonviolent protesters, you, you think of people like Thoreau and Tolstoy, Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. And a lot of people claim 
that Bayard Rustin should be mentioned in that same sentence mm-hmm. as those as those four men uh, because of his fight for non nonviolence protest. Yeah. A couple of his famous quotes are, we are all one, and if we don't know it, we will learn it the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's very true. Huh? And another one is when an individual is protesting society's refusal to acknowledge his dignity as a human being, his very act of protest confers dignity on him. He believed he believed in protest. Uh-huh. Uh, some challenges he had in 1953, Rustin's homosexuality became a public problem after he was found having sex in a parked car with two men in Pasadena. He was arrested on moral charges. Later, when he was chosen to organize the 1963 march, some civil rights activists objected in an effort to discredit the march. Segregationist Senator Strom Thurmond um, brought that out. Yeah. And and, um, to Martin Luther King Jr.'s, Martin Luther King Jr., after two years being separated as a friend from him, and they tried to link Martin Luther King Jr. to him, mm-hmm. and he was nothing more than an advisor to King. But um, Strom Thurmond was a stra- staunchly racist Southern Democrat. Oh yeah, you know, and, and is he the one that had though had a child with a black woman? One racist senator from down there that. They found out later on that he had had an, a, a, lo- a long-time affair with a black lady and actually had children with him. I'm not sure if okay. he was or not. All That's right. a good question. Right. Bayard Rustin has some remarkable qualities. His skills as an organizer, a planner, and a leader mm-hmm. were, were out of this world. Now, now, Dale, I'm sure you've taken your family on vacations you know, and you had three children and Devin yourself. And imagine the planning that you did. <laughs> and now imagine bringing 100,000 yeah. people to Washington, yeah. D.C. Yeah. and the planning that that would take. Mm-hmm. Because, because he was a gay man, though, um, Rustin was relegated to the background yeah. be, because mm-hmm. of that. Um, Roy Finch referred to him as a four-way outsider. Um, which explain, which he explained as a homosexual and a pacifist Quaker. Okay, you know it, it was the Cold War during that time, and pass, pacifism was not, not something yeah. that was yeah. was promoted. Yeah, uh, Rustin was an outlier compared to other movement leaders and could not survive public scrutiny of his personal life. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time. Um, yeah, it was it, not going to work. It yeah. was. Yeah. It, it yeah. didn't work out. Rustin's yeah. role in the organization of the 1963 March on Washington is legendary. He was a coordinator of travel, finances, and details for Philip Randolph, chairman of the march. Colleagues described Rustin's organization as phenomenally efficient. Rustin sent four succinct organizational memos. The first announced the march. The second presented information about nonviolence. The third discussed transportation. 
and the fourth outline methods for a safe return home for the protesters. Imagine all those people went to Washington, then they had to get home. You know, then they had to have a place to stay. They had one particular church that made 81,000 cheese sandwiches for that day. <laughs> yeah. The feat was accomplished at all is amazing, but it's difficult to visualize without the benefit of modern technology and while under surveillance by the federal government. They had his house bugged, his phone bugged. Um, you look at they did that to Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. as well. Um, oh, who was the FBI man? Um, Hoover. Herbert Hoover, yeah. or not Herbert Hoover. Um, J. Edgar. J. Edgar Hoover. Um, there was criticism of Rustin's planning. None of the leaders that were were speaking wanted to go last because they realized that they could not top Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> that's not the spot you want. No, right. no. so everybody fought and battled to be in front of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. And finally, at the end, King agreed to be the last one to oh, go. okay. So he solved the problem yeah. for them, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But but it was it was a challenge. But that presently, there's a show on Netflix called Rustin. Okay. And I advise you, it's, it's about two hours long, and it is uh, it's a secret that you're not going to get... Or it's a story you're not going to get in in a high school, especially in Iowa right yeah, now. Yeah. So, a good story. This is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network, and we're we're coming to you from Coworth Five Nine One Studios. And today we're here with Donnie Jacobson from Jacobson Fabrication and Repair. Welcome. Thank you. Donnie. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you, Donnie. Welcome. You went through growth uh, as, yes, as, as a businessman, and, and I'm sure you understand. So. Absolutely. So thank you for being here. Donnie, uh, tell us about growing up in the Littleton area and the Jessup area yeah. and every, everything. Sure. Yeah, I grew up in Littleton. Uh, my parents still live there in the same house I grew up in, and my grandparents lived just kitty corner from us, and my nephew lives there now. I have three sisters. One of them lives in Littleton, and another one lives in Jessup, and and I have one that lives in Orlando area. What well, what were your what were your uh, or what are your parents' names and your grandparents? grandparents uh, names? My parents' names Don and Marsha Jacobson, and my grandparents were Cecil and Clara Jacobson. Do they listen to podcasts? My dad asked me how to get onto the Steve Brown podcast. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> how, he, how he could listen to it. So, All right. Yeah. How wonderful, wonderful. One at a time we grow. So That's yeah. right. Exactly <laughs> right. Um, and then you said Chris lives in, in your grandparents' house. That is correct. Then you, you have a sister living out there. What's that sister's name? That's Rhonda. Rhonda. Yep. And your sister from... That's back from Orlando, Michelle. Michelle. Yep. When you you're a 1994 graduate that is of correct. Jessup High School, just a couple years ago. Um, did you have a favorite teacher? Miss <laughs> Rose. Miss Rose. Was, she was my homeroom teacher. Okay. Yep. Um, you said you had a story about Miss Rose. Sure, sure. Miss Rose always always had my back. Um, so in high school, I decided I was going to go to Hawkeye Community College for tool and die making. 
as soon as I turned 18, I could start working in a machine shop. So I turned 18 in October. So I, I was currently working at Burger King, and I was going to quit Burger King when I got accepted to this shop to work at uh, for, for Tool and Die. And so Miss Rose is like, well, how are you going to quit at Burger King? I said, well, I'm going to walk in there and say, been good. <laughs> and she's like, you can't do that. You have to... You have to have a letter of resignation, and I said I don't. I don't know the first thing about a letter letter of resignation. So, so she typed one up for me to hand in, so I could resign from Burger King uh, <laughs> the proper way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you do at Burger King? I, I was I was cook. Okay. Yeah, I worked in the kitchen. So how's your cooking skills now, Donnie? You know. They're fabulous. <laughs> There's hamburgers seven days a week. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we got a griddle on the deck. And yeah. All right. Uh, so so um, you went to a, you went to work at, at Bachman's. Bachman's. Yep. Hey, were there any classes in like industrial arts? Did they do anything? Like, yeah. With, to help you with be a tool and die person. Absolutely. That sort of thing, or? Absolutely. We had a metals class. That, okay. That we uh, we had a foundry that we poured. I can't remember what we poured in the in the foundry, but mm-hmm. we poured aluminum. Okay. And then we had we, we made a chipping hammer for for uh, stick welding. We we used the mill and the lathe and Okay, and that was Mr. Elson, right? And Mr. Elson. Time. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Okay. You know, there there's there's a number of students from your class that ended up or from your your era that yeah. ended up in Construction sure, or in sure. or in yeah because we we built a house yes mm-hmm. yes Where, what whose house was that uh, I can take you by it's on Third Street uh, but I don't remember who mm-hmm. whose yeah, house okay. it was but the the uh, that um, that those were those were the times when uh, Mr. Elson was building homes yeah. in, in his class yeah. actually you guys years, were yeah. building homes mm-hmm. yeah. but. So, so how long did you work at Bachman? Oh, I worked at Bachman's from, uh, I'd say, two years. And I, I quit Bachman's and I went over to GMT, and I only worked at GMT that was the last six months I was in school. Okay. So I was working at the, at the uh, machine shops and going to Hawkeye for tool and die making. Okay. And when you graduated from Hawkeye, then what did you do? I I negotiated with GMT. I wanted to get an apprenticeship, and they would they had people with more seniority than me uh, in line to get into their apprenticeship. So they 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 had a foresight of needing journeyman toolmakers, and so you'd have to get in line. And I wasn't patient enough for that. So um, I went down to the southwest side of Cedar Rapids to a place called MSI Mold Builders and got into apprenticeship there. Uh, for plastic injection mold making. Yeah, I jump back to Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, do you do uh, any liberal arts kind? Of, you have any courses yes. besides yeah. yep. just the your major yep. courses, or what? Are, what kind of things uh, you have to do? We had human relations. We had speech. I, we had a few other classes. Okay. I, I can't remember. So but those would be handy for someone that wanted to do their own business, really. Absolutely. Kind of, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We had we had math class. I tested out of the uh, basic math class, but then as as far as for tool and die making, you had to mm-hmm. take trigonometry. So. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Trig. There's a lot. Yeah. The, the, I don't know call them the, the trades where there's a lot of math involved in being an electrician or a yeah. plumber or anything. Yep. 
uh, I've learned recently. There's yep. a, quite a bit of math. There's, there's a lot of math and mold making too because uh, liquid liquid plastic will flash out of the mold with a certain gap. You know, everything has a thickness. So okay. So when it's liquid, it'll if you don't have the mold closed all the way, it'll just run out of the mold. So you have to figure out how far open that mold is and the tapers and how much you have to machine off the tapers to get the mold closed all the way. So you have to... Well, I'm glad you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've done that. So. Did you understand any of that? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I understood, but, but I don't understand trigonometry. Yeah, I would say when someone says trigonometry, my brain just goes click. It just shuts right off. In high school, I did it, and then here, too. So <laughs> I'll tell a secret here on uh, local, local uh, celebrity Larry Baldwin. Uh, one summer, Larry and I were taking classes at UNI, and Larry was taking trigonometry, and I, I was taking a social studies class. I think it was, I think it was juvenile delinquency. Uh-huh. Uh, I wasn't a good enough juvenile delinquent. I had to get better. <laughs> get better. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was for, you know, it was a month long class. So we would ride over together in Baldwin. I always drove reading the paper and I, I always found <laughs> great humor in that. But, but uh, then coming home, he would swear every day and Baldwin never swears, but he would swear every day about trigonometry. Yeah. He just hated it, <laughs> hated it. You know, he said, I'm a math teacher and I'll never teach trigonometry. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but by the end, he was pretty handy at it, but it, it was a battle for him. Yeah. So, so I'm impressed. I'm yeah. impressed <clears throat> that uh, you went through trigonometry there. So you went down to Cedar Rapids and yep. you were there for how many years? Uh, I believe I was there for eight years. I went through the apprenticeship program. Uh, it was a six-year apprenticeship program. You get a year credit for your schooling, which knocks it down to five years. I was able to do it in three and a half years. And um, after you were done there, um, you... I started a DBA doing business as. Um, I subcontracted a lot of work for my father-in-law, who owns a welding business south of town. Okay, and and who's your father-in-law? What's your wife's name? Your daughter's name? <laughs> my father-in-law is Larry Ryder. Uh, my wife is Jennifer Ryder Jacobson. She doesn't hyphenate it, but it's. Uh, and my daughter is Bree Brianna Jacobson. Okay, and she's a freshman at Chesson. What do you think? Does she listen to podcasts? Well, will she listen to Dad on this podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Or not? I'm not for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, I, I hope she does it. Uh, so so. Then tell us how you got you started your business, um, Jacobson Fabrication Repair. Sure, I I um, I got contracted a job that I had to make plastic bushings, and I had an old South Bend lathe that I made them by hand, 150 at a time. They'd order, and they'd order them. They were they were making these semis. Um, they'd order them every couple months. So I. I saved out profits from that to buy my first CNC machine, and then that allowed me to do that job quicker, and I saved profits from that to buy another CNC machine, a different style of machine uh, that, that would give me other. So then I had those two, and then basically just kept going up the ladder from there. And you, you've, you've basically run your own factory without... Have you ever have you ever had employees in your your local factory or? I subcontract people. I I do subcontract. Um, it helps me process more uh, more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Did you have a lot of difficulty establishing a, a business uh, 
like small business loans and get the government involved in any of that sort of I thing? I did or? not. I did not get any uh-huh. small business loans or, or any any assistance in any uh-huh. of that or or bank loans or anything. No. Okay, so you made them able to finance it all yourself I and was. just get started. I, okay, I started very slow. There yeah. were there were times when I would walk to the mailbox hoping that somebody had paid so I could buy yeah. materials for the next job. Yeah. And that's yeah. no lie. No, we've all done that. Yeah. Yeah. At least I have. I've been oh, yeah. 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 Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, elementary teachers talking about spending the, the kids would give you money they would buy in the book club and you would send a check in to the book company but you would spend that money that the kids would give you because that was all you had till payday. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. The... Uh, you know, I, I was I was uh, speaking somewhere. Oh, I um, I talked about gratitude in Mrs. Smith's class at the high school um, last week, and I talked about my first year of teaching. Um, I, I was substitute teacher and, and coached three sports. By the end of the month, I I was eating a lot of popcorn and a lot of pancakes. Mm-hmm. You know, you you just you get by and what you have. Yeah. Absolutely. And for me, with my wife having the job that she has and, and health insurance, because health insurance is a major. Oh, major oh yeah, it is for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, actually, I tell you, a lot of people I wouldn't have been able to, to do what I've, I've done without yeah. her. And you, you were very, you know, it all fell together. You're yeah. very lucky. And of course, you, you did it smart, too. I mean, you didn't get in over your head. You I've, used I've the money. I've seen a lot of businesses come yeah. and go. Yeah. And, and that's usually the, yeah. the playing factor. Yeah. Is, being too far yeah. upside down. Now, tool and die makers, like when you get out of Hawkeye and you get a job someplace for a company, is that a, a would you call that a, a fairly good paying yeah. kind of work to do? Yeah, like, it's a, it's a, like apprentice plumbers well, make real well and like Christian. So, okay. It's a very so, well paid. Yeah. Because I know they're encouraging more and more kids to get into the absolutely. trades. And uh, my uh, grandson, is just, he's just sixth grade and grand and uh, Boy Scouts or, Cubs, or just scouts, I guess, Boy Scouts. But they had a, a meeting at a plumbers and pipe fitters union have sure. a hall in Des Moines, sure. and they invited these kids to come in and they showed them how to weld and how to do a different thing. They all got to weld something. And, oh, that's neat. Uh, yeah, and they are very interested in acquiring people to work in their trade. You know, they want to train them and uh, because they're trying to keep their profession going. Absolutely. And there's a big need for there, them. There is. So, I, yeah. I have a friend out in South Dakota, <clears throat> Sioux City area, and he is the head of the shop out there for one of it, it's one of my customers but they also have a machine shop in mm-hmm. foods and and they have actually recently uh made a promotional video trying to lure kids mm-hmm. into and they're willing to train them and paid training and all that yeah so. well, i was looking for this place to take him for the the day and uh i thought it'd be hard to find i had my little gps thing going within in the yard they had two like i don't know maybe 30 feet long Big uh, pipe wrenches crossed oh, like nice. the eyes. Well, there it is. There <laughs> it is. <laughs> it was real easy to find. So, Absolutely. yeah. So, so, uh, um, Donnie, who are some of your clients? Uh, Empirical Foods, as I mentioned, um, there there's a, a place called Devron. They do soil sa- soil sampling. Um, I've made parts for them that have shipped all over to uh, Canada and uh, number of states around Iowa, not just mm-hmm. Iowa. And um, I do I do work for High V. Uh, I do work for John Deere's indirectly. I don't directly deal with Deere's, right? But, but indirectly, I make I've made parts for them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And uh, I make parts for transportation for for Freightliner. They used to put. 
together these glider kits where they would order a semi chassis and then they'd put a remanufactured engine in them. Really? And uh, and I made parts for those. I made I made sensor uh, bushings and and alternator pulleys and exhaust mounts and. If people are trying to fabricate something, they need a one-of-a-kind part, would you do that for them? Absolutely. And then what's your limit? I, like if somebody wanted 15000 of something, could you do that I, or is that too I big? Turn, or? I would turn uh, 15000 away. Okay. I, I don't have the attention span for that. Okay. I, I would, uh, yeah. So what, was it, what would be a number you'd be comfortable with uh, if I, they wanted some little bracket or something? Yeah, I do parts. I'm, actually, I was working on a piece last night that is an order of 100. That's, that's what pretty, like, pretty, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That's that's enough. Huh? Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. What, what's that over there? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm done with this over yeah. here. Yeah. It, isn't it wonderful to be your own boss? It, it is, it is, yes. But every customer is technically my boss, so. Right. Is there a lot of back and forth? Like, you make a, like somebody wanted a part and you make it and you send it and they change the specs and want it made again and that sort of thing. Has that ever happened to you? That or? happens. Frequently, yes. Mm-hmm. Empirical Foods is, is a technology-driven company, and, and they are constantly developing uh, processes and, and uh, uh, different ways to do things. Yeah. So I do a lot of a lot of prototype stuff for them. Mm-hmm. And, and they are, there also is where I might happen to make a mistake, and I send it to them, and they find it, and, and then they send me an email saying, this is non-conforming. Yeah. What's your shipping account so we can send it back to you on your yeah. time? <laughs> so try not to make mistakes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. What what is uh, what is the travel for your business? How often do you travel for your business, Donnie? Not very often. No, I I've kind of gotten away from the mobile thing. I've got enough work in the house. That I try I try to stay diversified. Uh-huh. Uh, do a little bit of everything so I never have a slow time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's getting to the point where I can pick and choose. Oh, how wonderful. Do. Yeah. So the traveling, I will I will drop things off and pick things up. But right. as far as, as mobile service work, I, I prefer not to do that. Mm-hmm. What, what keeps you from expanding, Donnie? Oh, the fear of going in debt. Is really what it is. Yeah. No. Because no. I got to think about you know you got to you got to have a return of investment on things. Um, you you got to look at it like okay, so I put this building up for five hundred thousand dollars, and how many hours a week do I have to work just to pay for that building? Yeah. And, and is it worth it? I went like Quickstar in town. Well, they did it all over the country. I've seen them where they came in and they tore up the parking lot and poured cement, you know, and made the parking lot bigger. And I think okay. That's a lot of money mm-hmm. they put in just for the parking lot, and how many hot dogs or gallons of gas exactly. do they have to sell to make that pay off? Exactly. And to me, I thought it was a bit much, but maybe to be competitive, they have to do that. But I always wonder, like Casey's went all over and they changed all the signs. All the signs, yes. So the Casey's was looked a little different. Okay, how do you get money back to pay for that? You know, Will that bring in more business? And I couldn't see how it would. And so that's probably why I'm not in business. Right, right. But I, I always wonder about those kind of things, about the payback. You know, how does this investment get you more money? Right, and so, right. Uh, well, you're, you're talking about brick and mortar as well here. But think about you expand and you got to hire people. Right. You know, I mean, you're not going to build a building and leave the building empty. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. exactly. you got to have people working you in there. Yep. And that's a whole other right. stress. Think, you know, it's, it's really great if you're happy. You like doing the work yourself, yeah, and yeah. you're got, you're making a living. I think that's great. Yeah, and that's yeah. it's a very comfortable way to live, 
rather than being stressed all the time thinking you got all these people that are dependent on you and you got to get more business in and that exactly. kind of thing. So, yeah. But so. you always have to have future goals and things well, to strive Well, that's true, for. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what I, I try to set goals mm-hmm. and, and, like I said, things to strive for. And, and I ponder, ponder oh, things like I'm that. I'm sure. So. <laughs> yeah, we would have to. You know, where, at what point in your life do you remember setting goals, Donnie? I mean, that, that's a neat, such a neat lesson. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that on here, mm-hmm. setting goals yeah. and stuff. When, when, do you, I, when do you remember start, starting I to set goals? don't remember when, but I know I've always, I, I know when, when I decided that I was going to do uh, Tool and Die, I, I know I set goals there. That's why I, pers- I went and got a job at a shop before I even went into school, uh, Hawkeye for that. Yeah. So um, it, it, I always have to have goals. Are things changing in your business where you have to keep on top of new developments? Are they making new kinds of machines or more computers well, or that sort of thing? Or? They're, they're making the machines easier to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily need that. Okay. They're, they're, they're putting added safety features on them and uh, easier to operate. Um, basically, the machines will almost set themselves up. Yeah. Now. So you don't need a lot of continued education or that sort of thing. You do. do you, you, you still do. Okay. Yeah. You you have to know what you. And doing. do you have a license of some kind or? A... I got a journeyman's card. Okay. Yeah, I got that in my apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't necessarily need one. Okay. I yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. So what would you say, Donnie, is the biggest challenge in the business that you that you are in? Capital. Yeah. You know, okay. It's it's technology. You have to have computers. You have to have computer software. Um, you have to have obviously the machines, uh, the tooling that goes in the machines. And there's there's tool holders and there's actually the tooling, fixturing and, and all kinds of things that you got to have the money for it. And who's your go to for for computer technology, Donnie? Do you do that on your own or do you do you have a an advisor for that? No, I do. I do basically everything but the book. Wow. Oh. And your wife does the book work. My wife does the book work, yes. Okay. What is what is the greatest part about the business that you're in, Donnie? I just love working with metal. You know, that's that's the greatest part for me. I, I What I do during the day is kind of like my hobby, too. So... Mm-hmm. It's it's all all in one, so it's great. Yeah. You know, they say if you do if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, and and I I totally agree with that. Yeah, that's great. Where did you find that love? I mean, where did that that love start, Donnie? I grew up. My dad had a had a our garage was a shop. They worked on cars and stuff, and um, I I just had a knack for it i guess i liked the welder and 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 then i took all the classes i could in in school for for uh the hands-on things and you know we had we had woodworking in high school and and metalworking and residential construction where we built a house and we had a car care class that was supposed to be teaching people how to you know change a tire or whatever but we we all went there was a bunch of us guys that that took that class and Ellison was a little upset you guys don't need to be in this class <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so the the uh, so so uh Donnie we we've, we've got to tell our audience you, you you've done a you've done a sign for the Steve Brown Arts Center yeah. and um 
there will be a picture of it on uh, this week's podcast yeah. on on uh, YouTube. And uh, where else can our listeners find that, Blake? On any of the Steve Brown Arts Center social media. There I'll you remind are. you about that. <laughs> Thank you. On, on any of the Steve Brown Arts Center social media. So, so um, real excited. It's beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, um, I had a lot of fun doing it. Well, we're glad. Thank sure. you. Yeah. Thank you. So, so um, Donnie, is there anything that that we that you want us to know that we haven't asked you? I don't believe so. I think we've covered everything that I can think yeah. of. Okay. Well, well I'm th- glad you're doing so well. I think that's great. Thank you. I really do. It so. is. And th- thank you for staying local sure. and yeah. staying around Jessup. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I like to help out when I can. I, mean, uh, you know, I did some stuff for Farmer's Day. And yeah. Thanks again. Thanks again. And, and we'll probably ask you to be on again. Oh, sure. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This is the Steve Brown Arts Center Podcast Network. I am... Jim Gillespie with co-host Dale Reber and producer Blake Tempest. Dale, what do you have for us this week? Well, it's uh, Thanksgiving time, and you think about uh, a lot of things. But I've been thinking about, have you seen these T-shirts that says, Live a Generous Life? Uh, a lot of churches, I think, uh, promote those by selling them, or it seemed like uh, getting them out. But you see those every now and then. So I was thinking about, uh, and it's funny how these things come together, because I was thinking about, uh, we had a pastor named Vicki Reese, and she gave a sermon one day, and it's the one I remember the most. She was there several years. And it was about uh, being generous and about giving. And she had these four uh, parts to giving, or I mean, parts not the right word, but one is you know who's getting your gift, and the recipient knows who gave it to them. And the second was you know who was getting your gift, but the recipient doesn't know. And the third was you do not know who received your gift, but they knew who gave it. And the fourth, which he said was the best, was you do not know who received your gift, and they do not know who gave it. It's just a pure, generous act, okay? So I was thinking about that, and then I looked at the Bulletin Journal, and uh, they had an article about living a generous life, and I thought I would quote from some of that. And uh, it says, The quiet strength of generosity is found in the act of giving without expecting anything in return, which involves empathy and compassion. Being the recipient or witnessing acts of generosity inspires others to do the same. Generosity creates a sense of connection and trust between people. Trust becomes a foundation in which personal relationships and communities can thrive. It's necessary, and it holds things together. Research has shown that helping others is linked to improved mental well-being. The act of giving triggers the release of endorphins in the giver, which contributes to a positive mood. It can also provide a sense of fulfillment and purpose in your life. If you're inspired to incorporate more generosity into your daily life, the following are several ways of doing that. Uh, One is random acts of kindness. Surprise someone with an unexpected act of kindness. It doesn't have to involve money to be impactful. And uh, have you ever had, like I was in the drive-thru at McDonald's, and when I got to the window, the lady said, the, the person in front of you paid for your meal. Have you ever had that happen? Yes. Yes, yes. and uh, it's just one of those little things that comes out of the blue, and uh, it has inspired me to pass that on a few times after that where I had an opportunity to do that. So uh, volunteerism is another thing you can do to feel generous is offer your time and gifts to causes that mean something to you, and that's like you were the Steve Brown Arts Center where you just kind of got it established 
and started working for the board and uh, uh, volunteer a lot of your time. Uh, same with this young man over here. Philanthropy, contribute to a local or global charitable organization or causes that are aligned with your values. And one that I have recently started supporting and probably should is a group called Doctors Without Borders, which has won a Nobel Prize for their work. And uh, you can almost be 100% assured that the money you give them will be spent in a way you would want it spent. Mm -hmm. And they have lost some of their people in Gaza, I have heard. Uh, who are working in hospitals, they're trying to treat people. Uh, sharing knowledge. Share your expertise to help others grow. And uh, one of my goals is, uh, you see, fewer and fewer fishermen, and so I try, over the years, I've, I've worked with a lot of kids and taking them fishing, taught them how to fish, and then taking them fishing where they actually have uh, success and catch fish and are enthusiastic about fishing, and then uh, it's nice when they call you later on and ask if you'll take them fishing again or ask if they can borrow equipment or and uh, it's if they're in your face it's nice uh, it's a, a given when it's their birthday or Christmas you know just what kind of stuff to buy them you don't have to worry about <laughs> what they need so sharing knowledge and listening and sometimes this is all we can do but never underestimate the power of it according to a book called it's a dog named beautiful a Marine, a Dog, and a Long Road Trip Home, written by Rob Cudler, a U.S. Marine, tells the story of returning from war after serving his country, and with his service dog, Bella, by his side, he recounts the ups and downs of learning how to live again. And it quotes, We only just met this man and his daughter, and already he knows what lies deep below my surface. He tells me he served in the Navy decades ago, and we talk some more about life's path and the obstacles along the way. I realize he's not sad for me, which I appreciate. He's speaking because he knows what I've been through, and although I don't know his story, it's evident he's seen loss in his life too. As I leave this man and his daughter, I, it dawns on me that I feel seen and understood. So this is the power of generosity, and don't underestimate its ability to help heal the world. Okay, so those two things, the pastor's thing, this thing from the Bulletin Journal, which was written by uh, Michelle Toll Burke. It was in November 18, 2023. So those, and then a third thing then pops up is that uh, I get a message. This is for all of you in Jessup. The Giving Spirit is a group in Jessup, and it serves kids in the Jessup School District who are on free and reduced lunch. And this year they have 39 families and 89 students. And what they do is uh, these kids have their wishes and... Uh, they put tags on Christmas trees. They are at the bank, both banks, and uh, living chiropractic. And so you uh, can go and take a tag and do the shopping for this gift, for the gifts these kids put down and, you know, you know, whatever part of it you want to do. And then you need to, if you do that, you need to bring those gifts back then, unwrapped, uh, to Bank Iowa by December 5th. And so uh, this is something these people have been doing, and I won't say their name because that goes away from my... Right. But uh, they have been doing this for many, many years and uh, giving out lots of, of gifts for Christmas to kids that would not get hardly anything at all. And so they also uh, need financial donations and uh, wrapping paper also, okay. that, and that can be dropped off at Bank Iowa. And for years, they would have this big wrapping party and wrap all these presents and this sort of thing. And now they have a thing where when uh, the parents pick up the gifts, they give them the wrapping paper. And so sometimes they and their family can have that 
Christmas about wrapping the presents themselves. And so I thought that was a good uh, thing, too. So anyway, that's the Giving Spirit. It's a group of people in Jessup. Been doing this for a lot of years. Uh, Christmas presents to kids in uh, the Jessup area who need them. These tags that tell what they need is uh, at the Living Chiropractic in both banks here in town. And you get that tag and you do the shopping and then bring the things, the presents to the bank, the banker to, to Bank Iowa. The tags are at Living Chiropractic in both banks. And if you don't like shopping, which uh, I'm sure we don't do it, they will take financial donations and or if you have extra rolls of wrapping paper. My wife and I have done this a, 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 well, several times, but uh, it's interesting as time goes on, you get these tags, you look at some of these things the kids have written down, you think, I don't even know what that is, you know. <laughs> it's not a Lego, you know. And so you have to ask the, the young clerk at the side, can you tell me what this is? Oh, yeah, it's right over here. In the, so it's kind of interesting. It does have you keep up with the new toys and all that right. kind of stuff. So so anyway, uh, that came to me, and so I thought I could pass that on in the podcast the next two times, and uh, they need it by uh, December 5th. So go to the bank, living chiropractic, and get a tag, and... Uh, Help these kids out if you feel uh, so inclined. It's one way of showing uh, generosity today. So, oh, wonderful. Right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Dale. This is Steve Brown, Art Center Podcast Network. And we are coming to you from beautiful downtown Jessup at Cowork 591 Studios. From White Funeral Home in Jessup, Iowa, we have one obituary um, funeral services for. Ellen J. Kramer were held um, Wednesday, November 29th at St. Anthanasius Catholic Church and Jessup, excuse me, will be held, forgive me, will be held this Wednesday, January, November 29th. Visitation will be tomorrow from 4 until 7 at White Funeral Home, Jessup, and there will be a, a Catholic Daughters Rosary set at 4.30 p.m. and a parish vigil at 6.30 p.m. Visitations will continue for an hour Tuesday at the church. She was the eldest daughter of Jerome Ham and Grace O'Neill. Harn, excuse me, that's Harn, and born at home and lived most of her life in rural Iowa. You know, a rare it's a rarity to be born at home. Yeah, anymore, anymore. Yeah. yeah. It was quite common back then, though. Yeah, Ellen worked as a nurse's aide at the People's Memorial Hospital in Independence until she married um, Joe Kramer. Took up a life as a farm wife in rural Jessup. They had five siblings, Alphonsus Harn, Betty, Betty Wilson, Patricia Necker, Robert Harn, and Darlene Heth. Sons Carl Kramer and Richard and Clarence Kramer in infancy. She is survived by her daughters, Mary Kramer Myers of Springfield, Illinois, and Nancy Keys of Jessup, Iowa, Barbara Kramer of of Tucson, Arizona, Kathy Rorig of Orion, Iowa, and one son, Leo Kramer of rural Jessup. Thirteen grandchildren, uh, Jessica O'Connor, Rorig Tucker, Taylor, and Treva, and she is also survived by sister-in-law Joyce Kramer of Vinton, Iowa, brother-in-law Jack Toll of Tucson, Arizona, and special friends D. Amp, Greg Weber of Jessup, and numerous beloved nieces and nephews. Ellen had a servant's heart, and was born a caregiver. She wanted to be a nurse, a dream unfulfilled for her. She did take great pride in having two daughters, a daughter-in-law and a granddaughter, follow in her footsteps and become nurses. 
children grew, Ellen volunteered as a 4-H leader and had many roles with the Farm Bureau women. Ellen and her husband were instrumental in founding the Buchanan County Hospice, and she devoted countless hours as a hospice volunteer. They were longtime members of, the, of San Athanasius, where she was a charter member of the Catholic Daughters. When they retired to town, Ellen sang in the choir and served as a bereavement coordinator wherever she was needed. Ellen loved sewing and crafting, and the and quilted blankets she, she made were treasured by all who received them, from babies to college-bound kids to someone recovering from illness. She was known as a baker of pies, cinnamon rolls, and particularly cuisine known as grandma food, guaranteed to be comforting and delicious. Mm. She was a woman of faith, and the faith sustained her through her own experiences with grief and loss. Her spirit of caring for others never left her. The last six years of her life, she was a resident of Prairie Hills Senior Center in Independence. Even as she grew more frail, she wanted to be sure that those around her, both other residents and staff, were being taken care of. Ellen enjoyed music, especially hymns and songs that told stories, as she was a good storyteller herself. Singing along the radio was a favorite pastime. She was known for a love of tea, either hot or iced, and with plenty of sugar. Vanilla ice cream, best with angel food cake. I'm a fan of hers, Dale. Yeah. Strawberries <laughs> and real whipped cream. Yeah. Was a birthday, a special day, or any treat. No one left Grandma's house hungry. Filled with cookies, sweet tea, and memories. We are blessed by our legacy, a long, long lived and with compassion and caring for others. May we follow her examples. At Ellen's request, memorials may be directed to Cedar Valley Hospice, Hospice Post Office Box 2880, Waterloo, Iowa. Remember, we had, we had Anna Wallen to mm-hmm. speak about that. Yep. And, and Anna would, would, would be happy that Ellen did that. White Funeral Home in Charge of Arrangement. So um, I didn't realize Mary, Key, Mary Keys was her daughter. Dale, it's although we are tape, taping this Wednesday before Rivalry Weekend, mm-hmm. uh, those of you that listen um, can butcher our choices here <laughs> as Dale and I will try to give you the winners of the top 10 rivalry games uh, for college football this weekend. Dale, we're going to go through these pretty quick, okay. so right. I will give you... I'll give you the game. You can. I will choose the winner to give you a little bit of a chance to think about it. And um, if you can read my writing there, okay, give yeah. you a chance to look ahead a little bit. And then I will ask you for the winner. First off, um, it is called the Apple Bowl out in Oregon. I mean, we have Oregon State versus Oregon. Oregon has one loss against undefeated Washington. I've got Oregon defeating Oregon State. Dale, who do you have winning that game? I have to go with Oregon also. All right. In, uh, out, out in the Great Lakes region, we have Ohio State versus, versus Michigan. Uh, Michigan's went through a lot of problems here recently. Both of these teams are undefeated. Dale, in the upset, I have Ohio State defeating Michigan. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to pick Ohio State. I, I just I don't think Michigan's that good. I think Ohio State can beat them. All right. 
Um, we, we, we've agreed so yeah. far. Okay. Um, we go down to the Egg Bowl down in Mississippi. That's what they call it. They yeah. call it the Egg Bowl. <laughs> okay. Um, we have Mississippi State versus, Miss, or versus Ole Miss. Uh, last year, Mike Leach, the, the famous uh, um, old, old football coach down there, he died of COVID um, late in the year. Uh, but he defeated Mississippi State. Defeated Mississippi at Mississippi. Um, this year, I have Mississippi defeating Mississippi State. Dale, who do you have? Uh, <laughs> well, I think Mississippi State just flew. There's a contest. Okay? All right, all you right. Circle around that. You got a pen or something? Or? I, I do. Circle around that, so you know uh, we disagree uh, on that one. All right. Okay. In Arizona, we have Arizona versus Arizona State. Arizona State started the year with a tractor fire, um, being under NCAA um, suspension. Um, but they, they've rallied. Um, Arizona has had a surprising season. They're, they're bowl eligible for the first time in a long time. I have winning that game, Arizona. Okay, but I'll, I'll go with State, though, Arizona State. The other team is ready to fold. See, They're so happy to be bowl eligible that... They're not going to be okay. Down in down in Carolina, down in South Carolina, uh, we have Clemson versus South Carolina. Clemson, if you haven't bought stock yet in them, and um, <laughs> it's time to buy stock in them. As I see, Clemson um, defeating South Carolina. I really don't know, but uh, I'll take South Carolina. I'll go, I'll go against you. South Carolina beat them last year. They're yeah. trying for two years in a row, Dale. Okay. Um, let's go. Let's go to our friends in the North, Minnesota versus Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Uh, Why? Who you got? Iowa lost to Minnesota and beat Wisconsin. I have Minnesota de- defeating Wisconsin. Minnesota, Wisconsin, sort of on a. On a uh, a losing streak here. Yeah, they right really now. are. I watched them, but Wisconsin should win that game. Though. You got Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin should beat Minnesota. All right. Okay. And then, then from Nebraska, we have the boys from Iowa um, playing Nebraska in in Nebraska. Um, believe it or not, Nebraska is a two and a half point favorite. Are they? Although really? they've lost their last. Four games. <laughs> They've had four chances to become bowl eligible. They yeah. they have five wins. I have Iowa defeating Nebraska. Yeah, well, I never could could vote for Nebraska no matter what. But uh, boy, I don't know. Iowa. They had well. They lost another guy. Yeah, I'll go with Iowa too. I don't. Okay. I can't go with Nebraska. And you go to North Carolina. You've got North Carolina versus North Carolina State. Both teams are. Eight and three, North Carolina State sits with a possible Heisman Award winner. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you have here, Dale? Ah, uh, well, for my son-in-law Drew, I have to go with NC State. He's a big NC State guy. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I I will go with North Carolina. Okay. Um, Mac Brown. Then you have the Iron Bowl. Yeah. Um, I believe the Iron Bowl is in Auburn this year. Uh, Auburn is six and five right now, I believe. Okay. And and Alabama is only loss is to Texas, but they've been playing lights of fire. Alabama is a fourteen and a half pick 
six-point favorite. Dale, who do you have? Uh, you'd have to go with Alabama, I think. Okay, yeah. Or sell them loose. Yeah. yeah. Um, although that that is always quite a game. Yeah. Then you go to the Ag Bowl down with Iowa State versus Kansas State. Who do you, who do you have um, winning this one? I have Kansas State. Dale. Yeah. Well, I think Iowa State has a shot at that. They they show some good things every now and then. So I'm going to go with Iowa State. You are trying to please the listeners, Dale. Well, you know that's my job. So it's to make everybody happy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, some uh, events that are coming up next year for the Steve Brown Arts Center. Don't forget, December 2nd, we will be in the band gazebo, or the band, uh, it's not a gazebo. It's a gazebo. It is a gazebo. You're the only one that calls it a band gazebo. Everybody just calls it the gazebo. Uh, But uh, you could put a band, they used to put bands in the gazebo uh, on Sunday afternoons, that sort of thing. Yeah, we will be in the second floor of the band gazebo. For, for the Winter Festival of Jessup, December 2nd. Yep. So we will be taping that, d- that I hope, day. I hope people are looking on, I don't know where they're advertising that, or on, but I hope they're it's looking on, on Facebook or wherever that uh, getting information about that because it would be nice to, if a lot of people came down to see Santa Claus. And I know that I think the uh, Friends of the Library are having a meal, like a soup supper or something in the basement of the City Hall. And so it would be nice if a lot of people came down and took advantage and, and just uh, spread a little Christmas cheer in Jessup. Wonderful. Thank you. That's December 2nd. In January, uh, the Steve Brown Arts Center is showing Dave Harms, um, photographer, and his grandson's arts. Uh, and it's either going to be, we are, we are working at the venue presently. Okay. Um, so I won't release that information yet. Also, Steve Brown Arts Center has Reese Bringhurst at the Jessup Public Library Teaching Art okay. that, that month, January 15th. In February, the Steve Brown Arts Center will have some artists at the Fireman's Pancake Breakfast, February 2nd. And we are also showing Kenny Mealhauer work at Winding Creek Meadow okay. on February 17th. Yeah. It's a Saturday from 2 until 4. I've seen some of his pieces. They're very good. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. We, we we showed Mort Donnelly in in September, and I spoke with Kenny that during Mort's showing and, and, and told him that uh, we wanted to do a showing in February. Mm-hmm. It works real well. And Winding Creek has been very kind. Sharon Van Dyke is, is working with us to, uh, to uh, set up that showing. Okay, that's so, good. Um, in March, we are going to uh, finance a band at a local establishment for St. Patrick's Eve on March 16th. Okay. Um, Dale, you, you and Deb, get your dancing shoes on. <laughs> And to have that green beer that night. There so. you go. Um, the also Reese Bringhurst will be at at the Jessup Public Library that that month, March eighteenth, and April fourteenth. Um, we will have an artist at the Littleton Chatham Historical Society Pancake Breakfast. Reese Bringhurst will will be at the Jessup Public Library April 15th. May In May on the 24th, 
Um, we are sponsoring a welcome summer mm-hmm. as we will have a musical group, a, an artist or two, and a couple food trucks at the Tourism Center in Independence. That is the old railroad depot out there. Yeah. So that's May 24th. And then we're also working at sponsoring flowers and plants in downtown Jessup. More of that to come. Okay, because those gentlemen from that organization said we needed some more planters and that sort of yes. thing on the street. So yes. that's a good so idea. It is. Yeah. It is. So we, we, we have been in negotiations for about... 16 pots for that. Okay. Then June, you have Farmer's Day. You're going to have a, an activity at Farmer's Day again? Yes. And then June, June and Farmer's Day, uh, June 20th through the 22nd. Yes. It was Farmer's Day this year. Remember, it's a different time. We're going to have a Jenga challenge. All right. Um, with the, with the adult-sized Jenga. <laughs> um, and that that is going to be a fundraiser. But I have and hard hats, too. For the yeah, people. we will have a hard hat or two. <laughs> and then we, we are also going to raffle... A a knife made by a local artist. Oh, okay. Um, a a Native American type of knife. Okay. Made by artist Tommy Teeter. Okay. That is in June and July. Last Saturday of July, July twenty seventh is Littleton Watermelon Day. There there is uh, many things that planned for that. A little early to tell you about that yet. Um, in August. We're going to have a back-to-school event at the Tourism Center in Independence at the railroad station. Again, we'll have music and art and food. Got to have the food. Oh, yeah. In September, um, we we uh, plan on having local artists. I, I'm in negotiations with Kelly here at Cowork 591. We want to have a moving artist of some type, perhaps, at Cowork 591 here in October as fall comes on, there there is a art show in northern Iowa where you can travel to like twenty some artists. It is my intention to set up a tour of that somehow, and and perhaps through Brock at school, perhaps at the Independent Senior Center to to get people to those artists. Okay. To, like a, a van kind of thing? Yeah, maybe a van or, whatever. or a bus, yeah. something like that. That would be kind of neat. Yeah. I'm sorry, Western that, Iowa? That, that is in October. In Western Iowa? Uh, in nor- Northern, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, okay. Uh, okay. There, there's many artists between uh, between Starmont up to Decorah. Okay. There's like 22 artists. Wow, okay. And, the, and that wouldn't be a terrible drive either no, for miles. No, so. okay. uh, you could not get to all 22. We would probably try to get to... Six to ten of them mm-hmm. for the day. Okay. And the ten would be hard. But, oh, yeah. But uh, that is October. Um, in November, the Littleton Chatham Historical Society has its chili supper, and we will have an event mm-hmm. tied there. And then December, back to the Winter Fest. <laughs> and the You've year been goes busy. by. It, it, you it, have been busy. It, it, it is. Um, this, this past week, I went to the Alcator Art um, Co-op, spent the day there. They they learned a lot there. Um, they have 20 artists. They take turns. You, you must volunteer at that co-op 12 days a year. Mm-hmm. And then you get to show your art there. Oh, okay. Um, 
They have our shows for you. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I went down to DKW Galleries in Marion on Saturday, last Saturday, and visited them and talked about the business side of things. And Mark, Mark, um, although Mark was having a show for four artists, Mark took an hour and sat down with me, showed them how they raise funds, showed me their gallery. Showed, I got to meet those four artists, showed me their education center. Yeah. And so he gave me several ideas there. I went to Barb Prawl's house. Barb is working on on a piece for me and a piece and prints for the tourism. And then on Sunday, um, I was invited up to hear Claire Doyle sing at Volga City Opera Hall, at Volga City Opera Hall. I have been in there. And yeah. it is, it's, they've, they've done a special thing with that. Yeah. And Claire yeah. Doyle is out of Minneapolis. Um, she sings stuff by Merle Hager, Hank Williams Jr., Jr., or Hank Williams Sr., Tammy Wynette. Just great, great music. Um, I was disappointed with the crowd because the musician was, she had, she had performed the night before in El Cater at a mm-hmm. bar, and then she turned around and, and performed at 1 o'clock for the lunch crowd at at the the Volga City Opera Hall, mm-hmm. um, so so um, that's my goal this this winter. Dale is to meet at least one artist a week to okay. go to go if not go to a gallery a week. Mm-hmm. But I'm spending more money that's than than is coming <laughs> in right now, Dale. So so um, that that brings us. That brings us to, if you'd like to donate to the Steve Brown Arts Center and have an idea for an event, go to the stevebrownartscenter.org and follow the link. If you have news or would like to sponsor us, email us at jim at stevebrownartscenter.org or call us at 319-290-0241 and leave a message. Don't be afraid to make fun of Dale and my pick for the... For the rivalry games, although I'm sure I pick more than Dale, but probably oh, we'll see. You know, don't be counting uh, things until they actually come <laughs> in. So. Give me reason to watch the scores more this weekend. There so. you go. There you go. I'm Jim Gillespie, and thanks to co-host Dale Reber as always. Uh, he makes the show. He makes the show so much better. Our producer Blake Tempest does just a remarkable job. And thank, thank you, Blake, so much. Thanks to Kelly C. Haas at Cowork Five Nine One Studios. She's so flexible at getting us in into the studio. Um, thanks to the audience for bringing these stray dogs into your day. Remember, each day is about little victories. <laughs>